Welcome to Research Uncensored, a podcast by Research FDI, your trusted investment attraction and business intelligence partner. Join me, Bruce Tackethman, and my co-host, Amber Hunter, as we bring you behind the scenes with economic development professionals around the world. We're going to find out the real stories behind the project wins and get to know some of the top players in the game today. We would like to thank the Next Move Group for sponsoring today's podcast. Next Move Group helps small to medium-sized companies, communities, and organizations create economic growth through executive searches that assist economic development organizations with hiring quality EDO professionals. They also provide site selection services to manufacturers, in addition to a suite of products designed to help organizations be successful. Welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored. Joined as always by my co-host, Amber Hunter. Hello, Bruce. How are you doing on this day post-snowstorm in Montreal? I'm actually kind of sad. I'm not going to lie. Um, we uh, sadly found out last week that we lost uh, our good friend, Mike Filpo, passed away from Jonesboro Unlimited. Uh, really sad news. I think he was in his mid-60s. Uh, great guy. Uh, we we're, had a chance to work with him in Jonesboro Unlimited. He'll definitely be missed. Absolutely. You know, we talked about this offline, but when I met Mike, there was just such a aura of kindness and warmth to him that it struck me so hard because I was so taken aback by his kindness and in a way that people you meet in, in, in all circumstances, whether it's through work or business or just randomly, um, he just had this way about him that made you feel, you know, just safe and, 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 and seen. And it's a huge loss for our community, for his family, for that, for that region, for Jonesboro. And so, yeah, it, it's really is with heavy hearts that, that we talk about this. And I know that you wanted to go ahead and dedicate this episode to him, correct? Yeah, it's very important that we dedicate this episode to Mike Philpo, our great friend. He always greeted us with a big smile and uh, just a kind word, either about a meeting that took place or just a kind word about just to pick me up. You know, uh, when I lost my grandmother back in June, he was the first one to give me a call. And, you know, we're supposed to do a webinar together, actually, about uh, virtual, the global pivot, about virtual recruitment back in June. And I was unable to. He was the first guy to give me a call, offer his condolences. And uh, he's actually, uh, Mike was a man of faith, so he was able to kind of share some faith-based wisdom. And uh, he's a great guy. And, and our our thoughts are obviously with his wife, Robin, uh, his three boys, and I guess some, and someone who made him smile more than anyone, his uh, beautiful uh, two- or three-year-old granddaughter, Bonnie Ray. So our, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, the Phil Poe family at this very uh, tragic time. Absolutely. And I know that's a somber note, but uh, we will proceed with the episode and we have a great guest who is uh, extremely passionate about business attraction, is a major uh, industry expert. Maybe you could uh, introduce our listeners to our upcoming guest. As they say, the show must go on. And I know Mike would, would want to bring in our next guest uh, from Ready Cincinnati, Way Williams, a uh, great recruiter from Cincinnati. Um, but has done some great work uh, throughout uh, 2020 uh, as his team has ha- had the adversity of, of COVID restrictions. We're looking forward to bringing Wade on the program. Absolutely. Wade's going to talk a bit about uh, his time in uh, business retention, expansion, recruitment, uh, building out his own teams from the ground up, and uh, some of the great major investments and wins that have happened in his region as of late. So without further ado, let's dial in Wade. All right, let's welcome our next guest all the way from northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area, Wade Williams. How are you doing today? Hey, Bruce. I'm doing well. Good to hear you. 
Thanks for joining us on Martin Luther King Day today in the U.S. Yeah, you bet. Um, it's obviously a very important holiday in the U.S., celebrating a civil rights icon. And I think in light of some of the challenges we saw in 20 with some of the unrest, I think it's a great day to reflect on you know, equity inclusion and the important work that I think isn't that's going to be a part of economic development as we move ahead. So I was glad to, to connect on Martin Luther King Day. So good to hear Absolutely. your voice. Absolutely. Martin Luther King always said, I have a dream. And I think a couple weeks ago, I did have a dream when the Bengals defeated the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it was a Christmas Day miracle, it felt like. So, you know, it was a, it was a great win for us. And obviously, we had a small thing to celebrate, but we're looking forward to actually getting into the playoffs again, hopefully sometime soon, which is... Yes. Always the plight with a Bengals fan. Absolutely. I know you're a season ticket holder. Do you ever bring uh, your beautiful wife or daughters to any of the games? Uh, I do. Uh, the, the girls are still pretty young. So, you know, as you know, NFL games can get a little bit silly sometimes. But they, we go to some of the preseason games and they love it. They love the food and they love to the, the watch the mascot and all that kind of stuff. My wife certainly goes to the regular season games with us. So, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a passion, uh, kind, of a, kind of born into it here in the region. So. So you're uh, you're born and raised in the area, I believe, right? That is correct. Yeah, I grew up on the northern Kentucky side. You know, if you're not familiar with Cincinnati, we're a, a three-state region. You know, over you know, you know, two million people, two point one million people, um, really comprised of a big chunk of that is Ohio, but we also have northern Kentucky uh, and parts of Indiana are all part of that. So, um, born and raised in northern Kentucky, went to. Northern Kentucky University, which is one of our regional universities for an undergrad and graduate degree, um, and kind of found myself, um, I often say, um, sort of at the intersection of, of business and government is kind of my how my career has progressed. Uh, and economic development is a great place to do that. Yeah. So how did you make your, your way from university, getting your master's, and then going ahead to Duke Energy? How did you find your way over to Duke uh, at the beginning of your career in economic development? Yeah. So um, upon graduation uh, from grad school, I I think I've I kind of worked my way through a couple of different positions. Um, primarily, though, I got really started in economic development through uh, through real estate. I'd worked for a cell power development company, um, ultimately then with Synergy that became Duke Energy in real estate. And so I really got a chance to uh, understand how real estate is a such an important factor in economic development but also just in development deals overall. So I was uh, responsible for acquiring property rights for much of Indiana and a big portions of Kentucky and Ohio for Duke Energy. Um, that led to um, getting familiar with economic development, as you probably know. I mean, the origins of economic development really come from some of the utility industries. Um, as, they were trying, as they were building power plants, they were also you know, trying to recruit industry to their region uh, and Duke did a great job. They had a, a great rotational program that I was able to take a part of. And so I got exposure to economic development, got exposure to uh, government affairs work, but ultimately um, found my cha found a, an opportunity with, um, with Triad, which was the, a three-county economic development organization in Northern Kentucky, kind of a sister organization to Ready Cincinnati. Um, and it was able to take a, a vice president's job after my Duke Energy time which really was my first economic development job. 
Interesting. And I believe that you previously worked as the senior vice president with the Northern Kentucky Tri-County Economic Development Corporation, so Kentucky Triad. Uh, can you speak to your time there? I believe in your role, you had to balance BR&E with business attraction. And I'm curious if you could speak to our readers about what that balance was like, as I think it's even more pivotal of a conversation these days, especially with economic development organizations that are a smaller tier and are trying to tackle staying uh, you know, in line with retraction but also with, you know, probably so much more demands that are coming from, you know, their backyard due to the, the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I was, you know, I had a great opportunity to come in and try it at a pivotal, pivotal time. Um, what the, uh, a mentor there uh, who was kind of really leading the manufacturing projects was retiring and I had a chance to come in. And I got a chance to come in and really have the leeway to build a very, uh, almost from scratch, business retention and expansion program. It's one of my first tasks. And so I had the, the great thing about Triad that gave me the flexibility and the leeway to kind of come in and really analyze and be able to build what became one of, you know, became a gold level um, awarded from IEDC program. Um, and I think the benefits of the existing industry you know, programs are, are tenfold. I think we all know that a majority of, of economic development deals are coming from our existing industries. Um, I've taken the, my experience from Triad where I've able, I was able to kind of build a program from scratch and continue to drive for, you know, that continual sort of progression. We're looking at the entire region's portfolio of companies now, even from a ready perspective, you know, really trying to maximize opportunity, using business intelligence, trying to understand where there are opportunities that for companies that are growing, but also trying to understand where there are companies that maybe are struggling and how you, how as an economic development organization, can we support them? And there's no better indication of the importance of existing industry than what we saw in 2020 with the impacts of COVID-19. If you look in those early year, those early days, I think there was a, a massive effort to you know, try to understand the impacts to companies. Um, we made hundreds and hundreds of phone calls at, try, at, at Ready. Um, but we also, we really tried to understand where there was an opportunity to pivot and do some PPE work. And so in many instances, there was our existing companies that were able to pivot and build these, you know, these critical PPE programs to help us get through the pandemic. So, you know, my time at Triad, really, I had, uh, I really kind of cut my teeth on a, on the ability to build a, a great program, a great existing industry program. Uh, and then we took that effort and continued. I continued to, um, I got promoted to a senior vice president role where I actually oversaw all attraction efforts. And so when I was in that role, I actually, um, I was an investor into Ready Cincinnati. So I understood the benefit of a, a regional economic development organization. Um, I understood the role the triad played in, in the context of a, a much larger regional metropolitan area. And I was able to kind of build a BD program within the within the the confines of of a larger region, which I think was one of the reasons why I I, I found uh, myself navigating and ultimately taking a job at Ready Cincinnati is it was kind of the next step. Now after nine, yeah after nine years at Triad, you did find yourself kind of down the road uh, at Ready Cincinnati. What led you? What led the move in your career from Triad to Ready Cincinnati that a couple of years ago a pivotal time in your career? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think there's a lot. You know, I, I did indicated a little bit um, there. I think I was looking for 
Well, I think first and foremost, I was looking for an opportunity to to work for a great leader and and the CEO of Ready Cincinnati, Ken Lauterbach, is a is a well recognized leader around the country as a great economic developer. She's also tremendous in the community and, and working behind the scenes and moving initiatives forward. So I had a great, I, it was a great opportunity to learn from a great leader. Um, and we had always gotten along and worked well together. So there's an opportunity there. When she ascended to the CEO role, uh, it was uh, an instant opportunity that I wanted to take a hard look at. Broader than that, though, I think I was really looking for an opportunity to broaden, you know, basically to scale some of the work that we were, that I was doing at Triad. How could I broaden the business development uh, program of work to a regional scale, a metropolitan statistical area scale? Uh, it also gave me an opportunity to focus primarily on business development uh, and, and not when my days at Triad, I was managing projects, I was doing business development and I was also leading our BRE program. So kind of stretched a little thing. This gave me an opportunity to kind of really focus in on building a world-class business development program. Uh, and it also gave me an opportunity to really focus on the international work. And so Ready Cincinnati really primarily leads the, the international business development strategy for the region. And so, you know, I just I just hit the two-year mark. We've been all over the world, you know, whether it's Japan, Israel, you know, Europe. Um, we've, we've won a couple FDI deals since we got there. So we really have ramped up that work. So that was uh, another big reason why I thought it was important to for my career development to take a, the next step up to the, the regional economic development role and to really hone those business development skills. Now, uh, since uh, you did mention to your mark, uh, you did develop a world-class business development team. What did you look for when you were developed, when you first took over the program, what did you really look for in building out your business attraction, business development team at Ready Cincinnati? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, I'm a big believer in, you know, you know, you know, you're only as good as the people you have, and so obviously it was sort of a no-brainer with the the bench strength that Reddy had already on the team. As I came on board, we kind of, you know, Kim when she was in the VP role there, she was also having a sort of a dual role where she was managing the business development, but also projects team, the project team, and we were able to kind of separate that and. We were able to recruit another fantastic VP that leads our project team, Brandon Simmons, um, and he does a fantastic job on the on the project side. You know, and so some of the team that that remained on the on the business development side, I think they were a fantastic um, skill sets already in place. So I think I benefited greatly from that. I'm also a big believer in hiring the smartest, you know, most of uh, um, you know business minded people you can and letting them run with you know, a strong strategy. I feel like my, one of the things that I, I feel like I excel at is trying to really do some work to try to lead through, a, you know, picking a strategy and kind of going forward and then having really smart people that implement that and give them the leeway to kind of make decisions, don't micromanage um, and get after it. And we've been able to do that. I think the other thing that was really critical to the work is in, um, in 2019, we also went through and, and did a five-year strategic plan that really helped set the framework for the next five years. And so the, there was a booming business component of that that really helped drive, you know, what that business development strategy would look like. Now, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. Three years ago, we met at the Kentucky Annual Economic Development Conference. And, uh, you know, uh, our mutual friend, uh, Dan Silverman, said, hey, you got to meet my friend Wade. He's a great guy, a great economic developer. You got to meet him. So, you know, I, I sought you out. And I swear, the whole conference, you're, you're not only you're networking with 
you know, executives or, or peers, you were networking, I found, with the interns. You were trying to, you know, spread knowledge to the younger generation. You are trying to tra- train up the younger guys in Kentucky Economic Development. So you're obviously a great teacher. Um, how importantly do you take your role as a mentor um, and a leader among your business development team and people that work for you? Well, I, I, well Bruce, that's, that's very kind of you. I appreciate that. I think, I think about my time at the Kentucky Economic Development Group, and I think we were doing, we were trying to rise, uh, raise the sort of the level of economic development professionalism across the entire state. And I, and I took that very seriously. Um, I've had the benefit of great mentors in my life. Um, I had fantastic mentors at Duke Energy that helped me navigate my career. And so I've taken, you know, that to heart. And I've tried to do that not just for young folks that are interested in the in the profession, but also my team. Um, one of the things that's sort of a barometer that that we often talk about at Ready is, you know, would my team run through walls for me? And, you know, I feel like I, we, we as a business development team, I think we as an organization, we, we've got each other's backs and we, we, that's, we take that mantra very seriously. We, we respect each other, you know, we work hard, um, but we also celebrate wins. And so, you know, anything I can do to support um, a young economic developer or, you know, a new CEO or any of those kind of things, I think it's something that I take great pride in. I think it harkens back to some of my, you know, I have a new you know, undergrad and graduate degrees in public administration. You know, I always talk about like, this is sort of a calling when you do this kind of work, you could probably make more money in sales somewhere, but you do this because you care a lot about your community. And when you care about your community, you care about the members of that community and helping those folks succeed as well. Well, that's great. And, and, you know, I'm, it's great to hear that you've had a lot of FDI project successes, you know, as of late. And I'm sure there's no coincidence that that falls into, you know, some major announcements from Ohio, Ohio, uh, you know, investing uh, in the Cincinnati Innovation District, which I believe is going to help with attracting industry as well as talent. Uh, can you speak to what that investment means for the region? And if there are any other investments that come to mind that are really helping you, you know, add uh, to your pitch, or your value proposition when you're trying to, you know, successfully obtain these FDI projects? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at, um, some of the investments that some of the right before COVID hit, we had a, a major announcement. Um, the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, uh, the lieutenant governor, John Husted, in partnership with University of Cincinnati and Children's Hospital, we announced this, what we call a first of a kind partnership. It was really built to, to re- retain and attract, you know, talent to an innovation district. We've heard about these innovation districts around the country, um, you know, there's, there's clearly some in Pittsburgh, there's some in Atlanta. Um, and it's really about how you bring talent, education, and, you know, industry all together and, and really try to drive out, in, um, you know, economic in, uh, outcomes. And I think one of the things that we've ready Cincinnati and, and our entire region benefit from is being one of Jobs Ohio's network partners. You know, Jobs Ohio is a very unique model where they've been able to invest um, heavily because of the unique nature of that uh, organization. If you don't know, Jobs Ohio is is a private economic development organization, primarily funded through you know liquor sales in the state of Ohio, and so they've been able to to be really aggressive in creating new programs, investing in things like an innovation district where they're going to be putting you know upwards of fifty to one hundred million dollars into that to drive new graduates to drive. Um, funding at Children's Hospital for research, but also major investments into um, getting sites ready 
investing in workforce delivery programs, investing in um, innovate, uh, you know, job. They 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 went as far as to invest in some new um, startup ventures this year as well. And so in, in 2020, so they've continually looked for opportunities to invest their dollars in areas where it can drive economic outcomes, not just in the traditional attraction sense, but in the helping startups scale, helping existing industries grow or pivot, um, and then an attraction of people. And I think we benefit greatly from, from that. And we've had some successes in the Hamilton Enterprise Park example. We had a corrugated box manufacturer make an announcement uh, in 20. That was the second year in a row that we've had a, a foreign direct invested company come to our region. And so we continue to see uh, strides because we've invested the time and effort into site development, into workforce development, and into you know education and and, and workforce programs. Well, that's great to hear. You know, another question that comes to mind is uh, everyone knows this has been a tumultuous year, you know, to say the least. And something I, you know, I'm I'm really interested when I speak to business leaders is is how throughout this time have you kept your organization and you know your staff, your people, how have you kept them, you know. On, on task. So you've kept up with business attraction, but also just overall keeping the team morale high and, you know, and, and motivated. Yeah, I think, you know, I actually took a few notes, you know, as I were, were reflecting on 20. I mean, we, I, Bruce, I can't remember recall, were you in Atlanta for IEDC? Or no, I'm sorry, the sites, I think it was the Guild that was in Atlanta. That was my last business development trip. I missed that one. But I, re- I, I remember we were sitting watching Northern Kentucky University win their tournament, do their conference tournament. And then ultimately, you know, there was, I thought at the time, there was no possible way that they were going to cancel the NCAA tournament. As you can tell, we, we reflect back now, and there's, that was just the beginning of a, a massive, you know, disruption that was occurring. Uh, and so, I haven't been on a plane since, but I'm anxious to get back. But I think if I think about what we were able to accomplish in 20, it's really through, you know, partnerships that help power us through this issues. Uh, I think just like everyone else, we were forced to grapple with the uncertainty that comes with the pandemic. Um, we didn't stop, though. We did pause and try to understand the impact to our community, the impact to our companies, the impact to our contracts, you know, Bruce, I know that, you know, you and I had some of those early conversations about what, what was this going to mean to some of our business development activity? I think we're all wondering at the time what it meant to our economy, what it meant to projects. Um, and we ultimately decided, even if it only lasted a month, that we were going to immediately adapt to the situation. You know, we, we moved to a remote work environment. Um, we quickly tried to ascertain what the impacts were to our, um, local companies um, and we we went through what we call a pandemic pivot, where we we quickly assessed the situation. We made hundreds. I'm talking over 600 phone calls, 120 virtual meetings with our existing companies to really understand the impact. We communicated this this information back to the Jobs Ohio and to in Kentucky and Indiana, so that the states can make decisions on new programs, and we implemented new programs as a result. We hosted regular calls with a lot of our local economic development organizations so that they kept up to speed. One of the things we also started through the business community, we, we, we started something called Restart, which was a program to fully engage um, 
the impacts that this was going to have. And we really honed in on our supply way, as well as the healthcare industry. One unique angle of the restart programs, we're also looking at the capital that's required for our region to move forward. So it's not just startups, but how do you have growth equity? We've focused a lot of time and effort on that. Um, on the project side, um, we saw uh, expected slowdown in projects, but we also, and we saw companies pausing investments. And once things started ramping back up, we also saw a reduction in the number of jobs, but we saw, an, you know, we saw increases in capital investment. Our our 2020 numbers will be coming out here in the Q1, but you know, we're going to have a record year for capital investment. Um, we diversified our, our ecosystem and organizations um, in the region through new partnerships. Um, Jobs Ohio created a bunch of new programs around workforce. They created a workforce loan program. They included, they started something called an inclusion grant, a vibrancy grant. And, and so that all led to some bright spots. I'll just mention a couple. Um, I mentioned already the, the big FDI win with Saika, the Spain-based product, paper products manufacturing company. Um, and then one of the biggest projects we've had in a long time, um, we had a $550 million capital investment project um, with Nestle Purina, a huge project that I, would, that I also just mentioned that had a, was a result of a lot of previous work that we'd done in site development. Um, so big successes there. Um, and I think I think the final thing I'd say on this is, as I reflect on this, is that as a team, we we learned how to work remotely. You know, I think we all learned that uh, through this process, and we've learned how to to make connections, try to build rapport, build better products. You know, use business intelligence more to our advantage, um, and support each other through this. And I think that's how we were able to to have some success in twenty. Um, we look forward to year two of our five-year strategic plan in 21. We're going to hit the, we're hitting the year running with a, a pretty aggressive strategy on implementing all the things that we learned in 20. If we, if we use business intelligence and research in 20, I think we're going to use, you know, execution is the word of the day in 21 as we move ahead. And we certainly look forward to uh, hopefully getting back on the road again and, and Bruce and and the team there, hopefully we can have that, have a drink again soon in some city somewhere and back on the trail. I'm kind of worried about my tolerance when I'm back on the road. I think if I have one quarter's light, I think I might get drunk because uh, I haven't been hanging out with enough economic developers in the next nine months, but I'm sure we do owe each other a drink <laughs> or two. Wait, I know you're a busy man. I know it's the holiday, but we, I do have one last question. Well, actually one more statement actually I'm going to ask you. Um, none of my friends here in Montreal believe that we met Andy Dalton. Well, we, could, we saw him at a breakfast restaurant in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Can you confirm for our local listeners that we did indeed see Andy Dalton near the stadium uh, while we had breakfast? Uh, yes, we did. Um, you know, because I can, I reflect back on that breakfast, Bruce, because I, I, not that I liked Andy Dalton, but I was also very critical of Andy Dalton as a, as a bingo season ticket holder, as you might imagine. But I, I was primarily uh, checking out his, his mode of transportation, trying to see what a multi-million dollar NFL quarterback was driving and, he was driving some sort of SUV. So great restaurant right down there by the, by the stadium. If anybody's ever in town here, it's a fantastic restaurant uh, called taste of Belgium. Great breakfast location. If anybody wants to try it. And you might see an NFL quarterback. You never know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Now Andy Dalton, uh, you know, now we have you know Joe Burrow who might just walk in while he's recovering from his knee surgery. Yes, sir. Wade, uh, we appreciate uh, your time today and uh, wish you all the best uh, moving forward in 2021. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Ray. Really appreciate it. Have a great uh, great rest of the week. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.researchfdi.com, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter at ResearchFDI. Tune in next week as we have another guest from the economic development world. 